I'm Deb Haygood, and I'm so happy to be here, so joyful to be looking at this um, last lesson in our study of the book of Proverbs. Karen, my Thanksgiving, I've saved it till now. I thank God for you, each one of you, for coming and studying the word together. What a blessing it has been to me this semester. So I thank God for all of you. And the music team, thank you for that music. That was wonderful. And the praises, Karen, I just thank all of you that have worked so hard today for this. What a beautiful day. What a beautiful day to study Proverbs. And here we are, ladies. We're at the end of it. Our last lesson in um, this study of Proverbs. You don't have to quit studying Proverbs. It's a great book to read every day. Start with the first day of the month. Read chapter 1. You might try that in December. We don't have to stop studying Proverbs. Um, but this study is coming to end. And this study we called uh, Wise Up, Successful Living from the book of Proverbs. And it's my hope and prayer that you have gained wisdom this semester. Wisdom that comes from knowing God better. Understanding his perspective on the world that he created. When we look at life through God's perspective and we try it God's way, it works. And that makes sense because God made everything. So we understand how um, he made things to work. We try it that way. It works. It just works. It makes sense. We desire God's way and we walk in his truth and we find ourselves on the path of wisdom, making wise choices in all areas of our life. Have you found yourself on the path of wisdom this semester? We said that we didn't want this study to be just a behavior modification course. We didn't want it to be a set of uh, rules, a list of do's and don'ts that we're just going to memorize and do. No, we said that first and foremost, we wanted this study to take us deeper in our relationship with our Heavenly Father, with the Lord God. Because we learned in chapter 1 that um, this relationship is necessary to gain wisdom. Without this relationship, we cannot grow in wisdom and we call this relationship fear of the lord and growing is a key word here because we don't just finish the study and say okay got it got wisdom good to go no we're on this path of wisdom and it's an ongoing journey we're on it growing and learning until we go to be with jesus in heaven that's when the journey stops. Until then, we are always growing and learning. No matter how old we become, we are on this path of wisdom, getting closer to God. Sometimes we may get off the path. We may drift away from God, start making foolish choices. But as soon as we turn back to God and call out to him, he is faithful to put us right back on that path of wisdom. And the longer we stay on that path, the more we realize the truth in Proverbs because we see the joy and the fulfillment and the security and the blessing and the honor that comes with being on that path of wisdom. And we call that success. That's what I think of as success. We've talked a great deal about choices this semester. So many decisions that we face. So many choices that we have to deal with every day. And it was interesting because I read this quote by a man named Peter Drucker. He is considered a great, um, he has uh, passed away in 2006, but he's considered a great American thinker. 
And he said that in uh, several centuries to come, when the historians look back, they're not going to say, oh, it was the technology, it was the internet, it was the e-commerce that changed them. He said, no, they're going to say it was the change in the human condition. That for the first time, rapidly growing number of pe numbers of people have choices. And they have to manage those choices by themselves. And he says, society is totally unprepared for it. And I thought, how grateful I am for the book of Proverbs. It teaches us how to manage all the choices that we're faced with. How wonderful to have the word of God to give us guiding principles to, have, um, to choose wisely. Those guiding principles that help us to live skillfully, to live life successfully. We said early on that was a definition of wisdom, living life skillfully. And today we're finishing up our study of Proverbs and we're going to look at the last verses in the last chapter of Proverbs. We're looking at the Proverbs 31 woman. Now I want to make a confession. I did not always um, appreciate the Proverbs 31 woman. In fact, even last spring, when we were getting ready for the study of Proverbs, I kind of had a talk with God and said, okay, I guess we have to include the Proverbs 31 woman. I mean, it is Proverbs, and we are a ladies' Bible study. And, uh, okay, I guess, you know, I will teach that. And I wasn't too happy. Okay, that was a wrong attitude. But you guys are laughing out there, and I know why, because I've talked to many of you, and you have told me you've sort of felt the same way. You kind of thought... Um, Oh, no, the Proverbs 31 woman. Or maybe when I said something about it, you would sigh and look at me. One of you even said to me, the dreaded Proverbs 31 woman. You know, I understand that. I understand those comments because I felt like that. So I asked a good friend of mine. We've walked with the Lord together for 35 years. And I said, why have we felt like that? Why do we feel like that? And she said, Deb, I think it has to go back to the 70s. Some of you may not have been there then. But we were in our early 20s. It was the feminist uh, movement. And things were pretty confusing then. You know, we were frying up bacon in a pan. And, you know, I'm woman, hear me roar. And... As Christian women, we were trying to figure out, what does this mean for me? And she said to me, you know, when we were confused and asked, they would just say, just read the Proverbs 31 woman. And she said, like, that is the only woman in Scripture that could give us any insight. And I thought, well, that's very true, because there are many women in Scripture that give us insight. And God has always held women in high esteem. He created us with purpose. He created us unique. We are important and valuable. And we see that throughout Scripture. And really, the fact that he ends this whole book of Proverbs with a wise woman is amazing. It's a good thing. I taught, asked a few other people why they had those comments, and one said, well, when I was young, they would say, just be her. And I couldn't be her. Another one told me, I guess I felt inadequate. Another one said, I felt I never measured up. And so she was discouraging. And I thought, I understand that. So maybe some of you are coming here today with those feelings that um, I used to have. But imagine my delight that when I sat down last May, opened up Proverbs 31 and said, God, show me this woman with new eyes. And this is what I saw. A woman making wise choices in all the areas that we were going to be studying these 11 weeks. I thought to myself, she is a wised up woman, successfully living out the principles that we have been talking about all semester. Um, today, 
I want us to look at that woman in this way as a, an encouragement. As we see her making wise choices, I want us to think about how we have grown in um, what our wisdom, the wise choices that we have made. We just sang that song, Ancient Words, Ever True, Changing Me and Changing You. Let's be reminded as we look at this wise woman of the changes that Proverbs has made in us. So let's turn to Proverbs 31. And while you're turning there, we're going to start with verse 10. Let me tell you a few things that you will want to know about um, this gal. Okay, first of all, this is an acrostic poem. Now, what that means in the original Hebrew language, that each verse started with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet in successive order. So verse, uh, this first verse starts with the Hebrew equivalent of A, the second verse the equivalent of B, and so forth. I tried that for about um, three verses, and it was very difficult. So I gave that up, so you don't have that today. Be glad. So these 22 verses go through the Hebrew alphabet. And they said some, maybe they did that so that people could memorize this easily. The other thing about this uh, passage is we don't really know who wrote it. Some think King Lemuel, others think Solomon, but many think that it was by an anonymous author who we know nothing about, and that could very likely be the case. A third thing I want to say is I looked at many different commentaries that different people said about this 31 woman, and it was amazing the uh, different thoughts and opinions that I read. Some said that she wasn't a real woman, that she was just an ideal, because who uh, could really be like that? And uh, so some of you are laughing. I, I think she was a real woman, and I know some wise, godly women following the Lord, making wise decisions that are a lot like her. Some said that she was a mixture, a composite of several women. Same thought, because who could do all these things? But I think we all know women that have many talents. So I didn't think that made her unreal. Some said she wasn't a real woman because she was perfect. We only see um, perfection, no flaws, no sin. And I thought, you know, we studied Daniel last fall. Do you remember that? And we don't see any sin in Daniel's life either. But none of us argue that he wasn't a real person. We just, his sin was not pointed out. We know that he was sinful. He confessed it, went on with the Lord, as did the Proverbs 31 woman. She had flaws and imperfections as well as a real woman. But we don't see those. And I think that makes sense. When we get up to introduce somebody, we don't point out their flaws. We just say the good things. We know. Even obituaries. When was the last time you read an obituary that had something negative about the person in it? We tend to point out the good things. And that's what we're doing in this Proverbs 31. We're looking at her wise choices that she's made, following the principles in the book of Proverbs. So I think she is a real woman and I, uh, living back in that time. And I think we can get great encouragement from her. We're not going to be just like her in every aspect, but we can be like her in that we want to get on that path of wisdom that she's on and follow it, stay on it all the days of our life. So let's look and begin reading and be encouraged as we uh, read these verses. And I also want us to be remember um, what we've learned about God this semester as we go through it. Verse 10, a wife of noble character who can find, she is worth far more than rubies. 
Her husband has full... Con okay, let's start with she is worth far more than rubies. A wife of noble character. You know, I looked up noble character. Uh, some of your translations may say virtuous, and I looked that up too. And it all has that idea of lofty character, a moral, ethical strength, fortitude, complete integrity. And I thought, you know, our character really tells others who we are. That's who we are. It's our character um, that it's the principles we live by that develops our character. It's the choices we make that is our character. And the word virtuous has that same thought. And I gave you uh, Colossians 3 to look up in your homework. And in those verses, 12 through 14, we see some virtues. It's on your verse sheet. Here are some examples of virtues, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and love. And I think we see these virtues in this virtuous uh, woman that we're going to look at today. Noble character. This wife of noble character is worth far more than rubies. You know, once again, um, we're comparing uh, this a comparison with gems. We saw wisdom compared with rubies that was far greater. And it says the same thing here, far greater than rubies. A wife of noble character is much more important than great wealth, worth much more than great wealth. So let's go on and read verse 11. It says, Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. So the first thing I see is that this woman has wisdom in relationships. We see her in a relationship, and that's not unusual because we talked a few weeks ago when we looked at relationships that so much of our life is made up of relationships. We have so many relationships that we are involved with. First thing we see here is that she is a wife, and we see that she is trustworthy. She is faithful, and she is committed. She is interested in the best interest of her husband. She doesn't focus on what will bring her good, but what is good for him. And I thought that is an interesting verse. And if you are uh, in this room and you're a wife or maybe you want to be a wife someday, ponder and think about this verse, what it means to bring him good, not harm, all the days of her life. One thing I see is it certainly didn't restrict her freedom she was involved in lots of things, did lots of things that she enjoyed. And it also was a good thing for him because we read in verse 23, her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. Her noble character, her thinking about him, brings him respect because she is a woman of respect. Proverbs 12:4 tells us, a wife of noble character is her husband's crown, but a disgraceful wife is like decay in his bones. When we studied verses about relationships, we learned that relationships take time and discipline and commitment. They require work. Proverbs 17, 17, there's lots of verses here on your verse sheet. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. It takes work, and we see that she is also involved in other relationships. Verse 15 tells us that she gets up while it's still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. So she has a family that she provides and takes care of, and she has servants. So that we see that she is caring and she is organized. And then we read down in um, 
verse 27, she watches over the affairs of her household. She's in a place of leadership in her home. And being in leadership takes effort. It takes diligence. Proverbs 12:24 tells us that diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labor. Diligent hands will rule. To be a good leader, you have to be diligent. And then another relationship that we see, we find in verse 20, she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. She is kind. We see that this woman's relationships, she is kind. She is generous. She cares and she shares with the poor and the needy. Now, the word there for poor can mean uh, financially lacking. It can also mean afflicted or in a humbled situation. And the word there for needy means to be in need. So uh, lots of us have sometimes fit into that category as well. She cares about them. She opens her arms. She is generous with them. We see that this woman is kind in her relationships. We know, we have learned, that God created relationships. And we also have seen that he values kindness. Kindness is seen all through Scripture. It's in the Old Testament and the New Testament. In some places, we're even commanded to be kind to the poor and needy. So let's stop uh, for a moment, and let's think about your relationships. Think about maybe your relationships with children. Maybe you have little children of your own. Maybe they're grown children, or you have grandchildren. Maybe you don't have children of your own, but you're a teacher, or you're a Sunday school teacher, or you're in a ministry that is involved with children, or you're an important person to your nieces and nephews, or maybe to the, uh, your friends that have children. Think about the children in your life, those relationships. Think about the relationships you have in your workplace or in your neighborhood, in your home, with your siblings, parents, or spouses. And think about what you have learned from the verses of Proverbs that have enhanced these relationships. How has Proverbs changed you with your relationships? Maybe you're more trustworthy or faithful. Maybe your attitudes or your actions towards your relationships have changed because of what you've read and studied in the book of Proverbs. Maybe you've grown wiser in your relationships. Consider and be encouraged. Let's go on and look at verse 13. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. Next thing I see this woman um, in her life, she has wisdom with her work. We're going to look at her work. And I was surprised at how many verses um, out of these 22 verses talk about her work. It's a great deal, almost half. We've talked a lot about work, and we said last week that God uh, created work for us to do. It's part of God's plan for us. God's the one that created work, and he values diligent work. So let's look at the work of this Proverbs 31 woman. First, it says she works with eager hands, and some of you may have the thought, uh, uh, translation, willing hands. She is a willing worker. Um, she obviously liked uh, sewing. We see that kind of work a lot of times. And I even brought a, have a picture, I think they're going to put it up there now, of um, a woman in the Old Testament that's weaving. It's a loom, and um, she, it's, there she is. She's weaving. Now, they had to make their own uh, cloth, and that's what this woman is doing, weaving the um, fabric, the 
flax through there making the cloth. Now, most of us probably are not going to weave, but I do know Vicki McIntyre, and she does this very thing on a loom pretty similar to that. So this woman enjoyed that. She enjoyed her work, and she was willing. It also tells us in... Um, Verse 14, that she is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. That speaks to me, excuse me, of creativity. Because the merchant ships make you think of exotic things, um, surprising things. She brought surprises home to her family. She's creative. Now, maybe you're the mom out there that is creative, that brings special uh, games to play in the car when you're on a long road trip with your kids. Or maybe you're the creative teacher that does something totally different for a lesson. I still remember my third grade teacher who took us outside for a science lesson. Maybe you're a creative boss that takes um, a special treat to work for no reason. Or maybe you're a creative coworker or a creative friend. Uh, you've done something creative for them. Creativity. She works with creativity. Um, I also see in these next few verses that she is diligent. Read uh, along with me, verse 15. She gets up while it is still dark to provide food for her family and portions for her servant girls. Um, she is diligent. And you know what? That's the good thing about winter. It's pretty easy to get up while it's still dark. I like that. Okay, that's one for us. Okay, let's read on. Let's look at verse uh, um, 17, she sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. 19, in her hand she holds the distaff and grabs the spindle with her fingers. In that picture you could see the distaff and the spindle. If we go on and look at verse 22, it says she makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. You know, she makes her home attractive, and she takes care of herself as well. And then in verse 27, she watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. We see that she is also industrious. She is diligent and industrious. Back there with the servant girls, that's talking about those portions. That's delegating the tasks. But we also see that she not only just delegates them, but she walks alongside them. She's willing to work hard as well. She's industrious. And then another thing I see, and that is in verse 21, she is prepared. When it snows, she has no fear for her household. For all of them are clothed in scarlet. She's planned ahead for the winter. She's prepared. Now, I want to tell you something about that word scarlet, if it confused any of you. The um, meaning of that word scarlet in the Hebrew can also mean double thickness, which makes a little more sense to me. So instead of running around uh, in the snow with red clothes, they were running around with warm clothes. So double thickness. She was prepared. And, that, uh, and I've got a couple verses skipping these verses here. Let's look at verse uh, Proverbs 18.9. It says, One who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. And Proverbs 6.8 says, Go to the ant. It stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. You know, I have a story about one time when I was not prepared. Um, 1980, September, my second child was born. And that was the summer, those of you may remember, that was very, very hot. It was, has broken lots of records. You still hear about it, but it was so hot. All these days, over 100 degrees. And it was hot even until September. And the reason I know that is because when I went to the hospital to have Ben, I had a two-year-old Rachel at home. And just like 
but what happens in Texas? That day while I was in the hospital, a blue norther came through. And so the next morning, my husband calls me and says, Deb, where are the warm clothes for Rachel? It is really, really cold outside. And I thought, hmm, she's two. Last time she had warm clothes, she was one. I don't think I've got anything that's going to fit her. So um, I said, I'm sorry. I don't have anything that will fit her. But never fear. Um, he just wrapped her in a blanket and took her to Penny's and bought her some red, I mean, warm clothes. Um, I was not prepared. I hadn't planned ahead for the winter. We see that this woman is prepared. She's prepared. She also um, enjoys her work. Now, some of us may not enjoy our work, and I always think on your verse sheet, I put Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. I think that sometimes helps us when we are doing work that we don't especially like. Work at it as to the Lord. It gives us a little more purpose and meaning. And then here's a verse that I found this semester that I just love. Proverbs 13.4 says, The sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. And after thinking about that, I thought, you know, sometimes work is necessary. And when we do our work, the reward might be sometime in the future. I thought maybe um, little kids, sometimes it's hard to love them consistently and to discipline them consistently. But the reward for doing that, being consistent with your children, is in the future. That work is necessary, even though it may be hard uh, or we may not enjoy it at the time. We have talked about that God has work for us to do, that God values diligence. We've looked at this, the work of this wise woman. And now I want us to think a moment about our work. Think about your work, your work in your home or outside of the home. Um, what you do for others. Maybe um, it's a job that you get paid for. Maybe it's volunteer work. Maybe it's a ministry that you're involved in. Think about your work. Have the verses of Proverbs changed any of your actions, any of your attitudes about work? Have you made wide choice, wise choices this semester because of verses you've read in Proverbs with regard to work? Consider and be encouraged. Next, we're going to look at her attitude about money, and we see that in verse 16. She considers a field and buys it, and out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She manages money. We see her using wisdom with managing her money. Now, I may never, probably I'm not, going to buy a field and plant a vineyard. So I'm not looking at the specifics there, but I'm looking at the way she handles her money. That's what we want to look at this morning. And I see there that she considers a field and she buys it. She's careful. She puts um, thought into it. She's thoughtful before she buys. And then the next thing that, oh, Proverbs 14 on your um, sheet there says, A prudent man gives thoughts to his steps. And Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. She plans. She considers. She's thoughtful. And I want to read a couple more verses there. Verse 18 says, She sees that her trading is profitable, and her lamp does not go out at night. 
And then verse 24 says, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is a businesswoman. She has a business going on, not only a vineyard, but she's sewing once again that work that she enjoys and is selling them. And I want us to go back for a minute to that uh, verse in um, 18 where it says her lamp does not go out at night. I want to make sure that we understand that really well. And uh, I have a picture of that as well. You can see that in the picture... Uh, that we're going to put up here, that this is a home. Do we have the home first? Yeah. Okay, there's a typical home. And do you see that on the front there is a lamp uh, on an upturned pot? And then we'll have the close-up of that. When it says her lamp does not go out at night, that, there was no electricity back then. Picture that. There were no street lights. There was nothing in the house. There was only the sun and the moon and the stars. So at night they would keep a lamp burning all night long. Everyone did this. But a wise woman planned ahead and made sure there was enough oil in the lamp that would um, last all night. That's what this means when her lamp does not go out at night. It doesn't mean she stayed up all night like some of us have thought. It means that she planned ahead. Um, we see that a lamp going out is also kind of synonymous with disaster in the Proverbs. And we also remember that parable that Jesus, and I'm not going to talk about the parable, but it was the ten virgins. Five were foolish and five were wise. The five wise were the ones, they all had lamps, but the five wise brought extra oil to put in their lamp so that the light wouldn't go out. The foolish ones did not. So when they ran out of oil, their light went out. So she was wise. She plans ahead. There's a verse in Proverbs 21:20 that says, In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. This wise woman plans ahead with her resources. And we also have said she is generous. So she's generous with her money. She gives to the poor and those in need. I had a friend once that used to say, be as generous as you can be. And I think that is so important. Be generous no matter how much or how little you have. Be generous because we know that our generosity will bring us blessings. Many verses said that in Proverbs. I have two on your verse sheet. Um, let me read the first one. Proverbs 11:24. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. God has given us everything we have, and he values generosity. So let's think about our money. Let's think about what we've learned this semester with regard to our resources. Um, are you careful? Maybe you manage it a little better. Maybe there's some change that you've made. Maybe you have become more generous. Maybe you've given that away. Sometimes we think careful and generous are opposites, but really we see in God's economy it's the same, that we are blessed when we um, are generous. Think about those. Think about the choices that you've made this semester. Consider and be encouraged. Be encouraged to stay on that path of wisdom. And let's look at her speech. You know, there were many, many verses in Proverbs about our words and about our speech. And yet, in these 22 verses, we only find one verse that talks about her speech. And that's verse 26. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. I think this verse says it all. She speaks with wisdom and she teaches with kindness. That's what faithful instruction says in some of your translations. You know, we've learned this semester that uh, wise words are controlled and they're caring and they're truthful. And we see that she teaches with kindness. 
And so we know that everyone she comes in contact with, her husband, her children, her servants, the merchants, the poor and the needy, they all benefit from her wise words and her kind instruction. We also learned this semester that words can be powerful. Our words can be powerful. And I um, didn't put down all the verses, but every one of these things, there's a verse in Proverbs that tells us this. These are the uh, things that our words can bring. Healing, encouragement, nourishment, instruction, wisdom, understanding, joy, truth. They can turn away anger. Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. And Proverbs 10.11 tells us, no, Proverbs, uh, yeah, 10.11, the mouth of the generous is a fountain of life. Our words can bring life. And I had a really good example of that. Um, this weekend I came in, I have a little plant in the windowsill above my sink, and I've been trying to nurture it along, and I'd forgotten to water it, and it was all drooped over, and I thought, oh, no. But I got some water, and I poured it on there, and about 30 minutes later, there was that um, plant standing straight up. And I thought, oh, it's back to life. And I thought, hey, that is a great visual example. And you know people that you've seen, their heads down, their shoulders drooped over, and you've given them a word of encouragement. And all of a sudden, it's like they've been brought back to life. They stand up straight. They have a smile on their face. You know, God gave us speech as a gift to communicate with others. Use your words to bring life. Think about your words this semester. Have you spoken words of encouragement or healing to someone? Have you brought joy to someone? Or maybe your words were controlled. You held them back. Words that you knew that were critical or angry or gossipy or unkind. Think of some wise choices that you have made this semester with regard to your speech. Consider that and be encouraged. And let's go on and talk about verse 25 here. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she can laugh at the days to come. Now, when we see clothed in Scripture, um, that means it's part of their character. So she is part of her character, strength and dignity. We get this picture of her appearance as being confident and calm and poised. Proverbs 10.25 tells us, and it's on the back of your verse sheet, that when the storm is swept by, the wicked are gone, but the righteous stand Firm forever. We learned when we talked about righteousness that they are firmly planted. When the storms of life and the troubles and the turmoils pass by, the righteous are firmly planted. They're not swept away. That's what this Proverbs 31 woman looks like. She's standing confident and calm and poised. She laughs at the days to come. She is not fearful or anxious about the uh, future. We saw that in verse uh, 21, that when it snows, she has no fear for her household. She is prepared, and she trusts God. She trusts God. Proverbs 10:28 says, the prospect of the righteous is joy, but the hopes of the wicked come to nothing. She's not boastful or arrogant or um, overconfident. She's joyful. She trusts God, and she is filled with joy. She's happy and confident. She is uh, not worried, not stressed out, not fearful. You know, God, we've learned this semester, wants us to trust him so that peace may fill our hearts. I didn't put on your verse sheet, but Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. 
In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. That brings us up to verse 28, and we see here the result of her wisdom. 28, her children arise and call her blessed, and her husband also, and he praises her. He says, many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. In verse 31, give her the reward she has earned, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. The result of her wisdom, I see, is joy, fulfillment, security, honor, and praise. And to me, that equals success. I think that's what we all would call success. It's the success that comes from wise living, living skillfully, making wise choices. And what is her secret for living uh, wisely? We read that in verse 30. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Her secret for living wisely is that she fears the Lord. She fears the Lord. She knows that that is where her success comes from. Her firm foundation, solid foundation, is God. Now, Proverbs 31 does not tell us what this woman looks like. But uh, we see an inner beauty here. We don't know if she's beautiful or not. She may be charming and beautiful as well. But um, we know that she has an inner beauty. Now, some of you may have heard this saying. My little granny said it to me all the time. Pretty is as pretty does. And I used to think as a little kid, what does that mean? Um, I also, as a little kid, saw the movie Pollyanna. And I don't know how many of you saw Pollyanna. Um, In those days, you had to go to the movie theater to see a movie. Um, I was young. Pollyanna was played by Haley Mills. And she was, I'm not going to tell you the whole movie. She's an orphan. She goes to live with her aunt, who's pretty bitter. And Pollyanna brings joy to this town. She, um, it's a wonderful movie if you ever want to show it to your children. Um, she just brings a generous spirit and joy and kindness uh, to this town. And in my mind, I remembered her as this beautiful girl. I was so enamored with Pollyanna. Years later, um, I was probably late teens, I saw it on TV again, and I was pretty surprised at really how plain Haley Mills looked in this movie as she played Pollyanna. And it suddenly dawned on me, that's what pretty is as pretty does means. It was that inner beauty that I saw as a little kid coming out of her that made her so beautiful. And um, I think this is what this Proverbs 31 woman has. She has this inner beauty. She knows that charm may or may not get her what she wants, that outward beauty is fleeting. We only have to look in the mirror, some of us, to see that's true. It's fleeting. Her solid foundation is God. She fears the Lord. And let me just have a couple more minutes to talk about fearing the Lord. We have come now full circle. Because do you remember? That's what we started with the first week with Proverbs 1-7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. That's Proverbs 9.10. We looked at that the second week. And then Proverbs 15.33. The fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom, and humility comes before honor. Fear of the Lord, what does that mean? I want us all to really have a good grasp on the fear of the Lord. And we've talked a lot this semester about our heart and what, how our heart goes into fear of the Lord. And so I thought a good definition of fear of the Lord is turning wholeheartedly towards God, turning wholeheartedly towards Him. 
Now you may say, what does that mean to turn wholeheartedly? How do we do that? So I tried to think of a good picture or a good story to end with. Um, but all that kept coming to my mind was the children of God sitting on the banks of the Jordan River, getting ready to go into the land that God had promised them. And it's in Deuteronomy 30. And Moses is uh, on the banks as well. And he is reminding the children of God everything that God has done for them, who God is, how he has saved them and delivered them and provided for them and has given them his law of love. And he's reminding them of these things. And he's closing up here in chapter 30. And before, I've got 19 on your sheet, but I want to read just a couple of other verses. In verse 10, he says to them, Turn to the Lord your God with all your heart. And we know that in the Old Testament, heart means your mind and your will as well as your emotions. Turn wholeheartedly to God. And then in verse 15, he says, See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. That is fear of the Lord. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, you're drawn to other gods, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to enter. And then we come to verse 19 on your verse sheet. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death. Proverbs calls that the path of wisdom. Or death, blessings, and curses. And Proverbs calls that the foolish path. One's life, one's destruction. Moses says, now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may, and look at these three things, love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. That's what it means to turn wholeheartedly to God. That's how we do it. Love the Lord, listen to him, and hold fast to him. How do you love God? How do you love anyone? You spend time with them. You talk to them. Talk to the Lord. As you get up in the morning, talk to God. Good morning, Lord. Here I am. I've got all this to do. What do you have for me to do? Talk to him as you go through your day. Talk to him in that quiet place that you go just to be with the Lord. Talk to him as you drive carpool or as you take care of your um, parents or whatever goes on in your life. Talk to God throughout that day. And as you go to bed at night, close your eyes and talk to God. And then second, listen to his voice. Be still and listen to God. How do you listen to God? One great way is reading his words. These are his words. As you read them, you are listening to his voice. That's what you all have been doing all semester, listening to the Lord. And then third, hold fast to him. Grab on tight. Trust in him. Lean into him. Believe in him. That's how we turn wholeheartedly to God. As the Proverbs 31 woman chose God we too can choose God and know that when you choose God, you choose wisdom. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, you are, you are so good. You are so loving and so kind. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you've given us so much, that you have not been silent, but that you speak to us. You speak to us in stillness. You speak to us through your word. Father, we want to love you. We want to hold fast to you. We want to listen to you. Father, we want to be turned wholeheartedly towards you. 
Lord, so that we might know you and that we might walk in wisdom. Father, bless these women. Bless them as they go out for the holiday season now. Father, bring your words back to their hearts to remind them of the wisdom that they have gained. Keep them on the path of wisdom. Father, bring us back in January, and I pray that um, this whole time, between now and then, that we would be seeking you, loving you. Father, bless these women, bless this day, and I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.